what kind of programs does this school have? How are the test scores? How many kids do a classroom? Homes.com knows these are all things you ask when you're home shopping as a parent. That's why each listing on Homes.com includes extensive reports on local schools, including photos, parent reviews, test scores, student-teacher ratio, school rankings, and more. The information is from multiple trusted sources and curated by Homes.com's dedicated in-house research team. It's also you can make the right decision for your family. Homes.com. We've done your homework. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. This podcast is part of the 76ers Podcast Network. Search 76ers Podcast wherever you get your pods. It's been a tricky balance for the 76ers managing injuries while getting ready for the playoffs. But with the seating schedule winding down, there have been some promising signs. Josh Richardson will step back, 15-footer, high arcer, it's up and good. And the Sixers have their first lead of the night. Horford, it's for three. Yes! Al Horford coming up large. With Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid out, other guys have been forced to step up. We'll talk about who needs to do what in order for the Sixers to make a push in the postseason. I feel like it's an opportunity to galvanize the team and look at the team respond. I got great confidence in. I'm Lauren Rosen. I'm Devon Givens. I'm Brian Seltzer, and this is the broadcast from the 76ers Podcast Network. We're back. You know, the NBA took its hiatus, not that it wanted to, for four months. We felt at some point the three of us were entitled to a mini hiatus. We took one last week, but we are back, raring to go, seeding game schedule for the 76ers winding down. The playoffs are going to start next week. Lauren Devon, great to be with you again. Tell me something new about yourself. What's different since the last time we spoke 14 days ago? Well, Seltz, this is my first remote recording of the podcast. Oh, tell us more. Took a little trip down to my old stomping grounds in Durham, North Carolina. Having some family time, got to walk around, have some fresh air. I love Philly. I love Philly. But it is nice to be somewhere a little bit more spread out. It was my first time leaving Philadelphia since the hiatus began. Now, stomping grounds, your true stomping grounds are not Durham, North Carolina, of course. True. I am from Houston, Texas, but I went to college here in Durham. And it's nice to just be back somewhere a little warmer with a little more space and fresh air. Devon, have you ever heard of a college in Durham, North Carolina? They have a school down there. I believe so. Yeah, a couple letter, you know, short letter words, and you know, nice, nice place, and absolutely. So it's good to see Lauren taking that trip back down to Durham, uh, North Carolina, and and settling in, getting that fresh air. Absolutely. Durham State University, that's the one, right? <laughs> exactly. 
That's what I thought. That's what I thought. What about you, D? Well, I mean, listen, I've been dealing with the heat. Lauren has that nice heat down in North Carolina, but here in Philadelphia, the heat wave is still pushing along. I got a haircut, feeling good, and we have summer basketball. How about that? It's tremendous. I, too, got a haircut. People can't see it, but Devon, you're looking fresh. I guess maybe you guys can tell you that, yeah, if I take my headset off, you can kind of see that maybe it's not quite as wispy or curly in the back. Um, not to get too follically in depth on this podcast, Devon, but did you have, I'm going to describe an issue I had right after my haircut. And I want to ask you if you experienced something similar. My scalp was itching for probably 48 hours after I got my haircut. It had been that long. My last haircut was in the middle of January. So this for me has been about the longest I've ever gone, nearly seven months. And for about 48 hours straight, I just couldn't stop scratching the itch. No, actually, no. You know, you get the haircut, wash the hair. Uh, treat it how you need to treat it right away. And so I didn't have that problem. Also, my last one was in March, right before we did our final show from the center before the hiatus. And uh, yeah, so I guess I had a few months on you and I actually, you know, made sure I just went and washed the old hair and made sure everything was all good. And I was straight. I was straight. But I'm glad you're feeling better now. Yeah. Needed some time. Needed some time. Yeah. But I'm good. Good. This is why the people are here, of course. This is why the people That's are right. here. They want to hear well, this listen, type of conversation. Hey, we're not the only ones, okay? Yeah. <laughs> We've seen plenty from the players, from listeners, from social media people who reach out. Everyone was going through this with the haircut. So, of course, they're into this. Absolutely. We're just trying to relate everyday experiences during a pandemic into the podcast forum as it pertains to 76ers basketball. That's right. Not an easy task. Three people have to do it. That's us. Um, I want to get this out of our system right away. There are two players who are currently unavailable for the 76ers. Ben Simmons with a left knee injury. Joel Embiid with a left ankle injury. So the Sixers, we don't know how long. They're going to have to go without them, and you just can't snap your fingers and replace two All-Stars. I think that's a reality that we all certainly need to acknowledge. 100%. You try to go through something like they're about to four seating games remaining, uh, pardon me, three seating games remaining. And then you look at the postseason. You want your two best players out there as good as the team might be fielded together. You you go as far as your two stars go, your two all stars and Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. So wish them a speedy recovery. Hopefully they're back sooner rather than later and get this push going. Yeah, Devon, you never want to lose your two all-stars, two players that have such a high upside like a Ben Simmons or a Joel Embiid. However, against the Trailblazers, it was good to see a guy like Josh Richardson heat up. We've seen good performances from Al Horford and Tobias Harris. So while their silver linings will be few and far to come by without those two, it was good to see those guys heat up. And and as long as we are without Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, hopefully they can continue to build on what they've started in Orlando. As much of a bummer as those two's injuries were and are, the other thing is the 76ers, I feel like they have A, been resilient, B, up until the game against the Trailblazers, 
They had been winning. They won three in a row. That was the longest winning streak inside the bubble, save for the Phoenix Suns. And they gave Portland a real run for their money in the game on Sunday night. And that was a game where, even though they fell behind by 17 points in the first half, to me it felt like it might as well have been 1,700 points. It was just one of those games where it seemed like they were out of early. They went up by six late, just couldn't hold off Dame Lillard and the rest of the Blazers, a team that has a lot to play for. But they have shown some determination, which I know that's a kind of moral victory-esque storyline to focus on. But listen, you got to start somewhere. If you don't have two of your best players, then you're going to need that type of effort from the rest of the roster. And hopefully that will produce performances from other guys who the 76ers will need to get great performances from. I know you don't like to focus on moral victories, like you said, but I agree in that first quarter, it kind of seemed like the Sixers were maybe just going to be down and out for the rest of the game. They're playing against a team that had everything to gain in fighting for the playoffs. They're super motivated. They had a tough loss just the day before, and a feisty Damian Lillard is never going to be easy to contain. So in that first half, it did seem maybe like the Sixers were going to just let that game get away from them. And instead, they showed a lot of fight. They showed a lot of heart. They showed a lot of grit. And they almost won a game that I think a lot of people might have said that they had no business winning. I actually looked at that once they got down 17 and beat hurt. I thought it would be a tough climb for them to come back. And for them to fight back the way that they did, it was good to see. And if Embiid is not available for the next game that they have, then that's something that the coaching staff and the players also can play off of and look back at from Sunday's game and try to now set the game plan up via that. And knowing that, again, they had a tough matchup, a tough assignment against Damian Lillard and company, and still found a way to, to make it a game at the very end. Joel Embiid has been the 76ers' leading scorer inside the bubble, just under 24.5 points per game. One of the top rebounders in the NBA at 11.5 per game. Right behind Joel on the offensive side is Tobias Harris. Around 22.5 points per game, shooting 43.5% overall, just under 41% from three-point territory. What I want to do, guys, moving forward for the rest of our deep dive segment is kind of like going through a checklist of sorts for different members of the roster and what the 76ers might need from them in the absence of Ben Simmons, we know, for a period of time. Joel Embiid, we don't know for how long. But regardless of that, everyone's got to be on heightened alert with the playoffs coming. So what do we need from Tobias Harris, Devon, now that the 76ers are in the current situation they are? Elevated scoring production. And we know he's been 30, 25, high, high 20s overall. He's, he's played very well offensively. I thought that they could have used him a little bit more in the Portland loss. There were, there were some times where uh, it looked like there was a moment where Tobias Harris could step up and really take over, but the lid was on a basket for him for the most part. He had a tough night. So going forward, he is going to be the featured offensive scorer for this basketball team. So what you need is some elevated scoring play, some efficiency as well. Get to his spots. Find his spots. Get to those spots and make sure that these are these are good looks because every possession is, is crucial for the Philadelphia 76ers going forward with no Embiid and no Simmons. He's always been the second or third option with those two out there on the floor. He's now going to be the first. So he's going to be the focal point of the defense. Can you get some consistent scoring punch from him, some efficiency as well? And if the double team does find him, is he able to get out of that double team and find his teammates to get a better uh, look overall? So I, I look for those things from Tobias Harris, at least going from the next game that they have against the Phoenix Suns and moving on. Well, look, we know Tobias 
could have given more to that blaze to the Blazers game. He could have been more productive offensively, more accurate from the field. But he's also been very vocal about the fact that he wants to be the guy that can step up in those situations. He's shown his intention to do it. He said he wants to be able to be that guy that takes over. So I would imagine that in these next few games coming up, he's going to give it another shot. He's going to commit to what he's already said that he really wants to do and make good things happen for the team offensively. So I think we're in for some good performances from Tobias Harris. Sixers, big possession. They lead by one. Shake Milton with it. Off a screen by Tobias. Milton out top to Embiid. Inside feed to Tobias. He taps it up and in. He didn't even catch it. He's had it with the right hand with his back to the basket and scores the ball. For me, two things I'm looking at is he's got to continue to rebound the basketball really well. Obviously, if the Sixers didn't have Ben Simmons, they would need Tobias to pick up a little bit more, but certainly without Joel Embiid. And another thing is Tobias could find himself in a spot now where he might be asked to do a little bit more defensively on opposing wings, some of the most dangerous scorers in the NBA. So I think defense overall and obviously rebounding the basketball in addition to that primary need of scoring, like Devon and Lauren, you guys said, certainly on the to-do list for Tobias Harris. Inbound ball with four on the clock, goes out to Richardson for three, and it's good. Are you kidding me? Josh Richardson will be on the arc over the outstretched arm of C.J. McCollum, and Richardson now with six threes and 34 points. All right, next up, Josh Richardson coming off of a really great performance against the Trailblazers that almost was enough to get the 76ers a victory. 34 points was a Sixer high for him since he joined the Sixers going back to last summer, and he tied a season high with six three-pointers. He had a really balanced game against the Blazers. He was in a good groove. He was in a really good groove against the Portland Trailblazers, and they needed every bit of those 34. Now, when we talk about him and possibly being the fourth and fifth option in this offense, Josh Richardson, and we know about his two-way ability, this is what you can get from time to time. Now, if you are able to get something a little more consistently from him instead of the 14, close to 14 points on the season average, maybe 15 to 17 where he gives them that extra offensive punch that they need, that would be good. But, But to see him do what he did against the Portland Trailblazers, Knowing that, again, Embiid was out, Tobias Harris was struggling, you get something from Alec Burks. He grabbed the reins early and kept on going throughout the entirety of the game. There are always those questions of when are we going to get that, that Josh Richardson game uh, outside of the 32 against the Miami Heat earlier in the season, the 19-point quarter that he had in a victory as well. Uh, those were all at home, so it was great to, to, to see those and know that it's in there but how often can we get that from him? And for me, it's got to be the threes. We, you, you, you guys both mentioned the threes, but for Josh to hit six threes against the Blazers, the same amount he hit against Miami in that first big breakout game he had at home, if he can get the threes to fall, that's going to be absolutely huge for this team. I know we talk about it all the time, but when the threes are falling, this Sixers team is really hard to beat because we know they're strong in other areas of their offense. So if Josh can keep throwing him up from deep and they can keep going in, that's going to be absolutely huge down the stretch. We know that he can do stuff when he's got the ball in his hands. And one thing that I really liked about the game against the Blazers, as far as his performance was concerned, in that third quarter when he started to pick up more attention, he started dishing the ball out a little bit, making things happen for his teammates. I thought that was good to see, showed the versatility of his game. And again, defensive end, when you take someone like Ben Simmons out and you factor in 
the type of players that Ben Simmons might be asked to guard. Josh Richardson, as we saw against the Blazers, he was on Damian Lillard a lot. He's going to really need to key in on that end of the floor as well. Absolutely. He's the number one perimeter defender at this point. Matisse Thibel comes off the bench in that starting role. Josh Richardson is the one, again, as a two-way player with a reputation already for being a strong defender in this league he's absolutely going to have to take on those tough responsibilities going forward and Devin Booker's up next. Horford with it again goes right around Gary Clark and jams it. The radio man not the only guy seeing the mismatch there. Sixers go right to him. A pirouette down low right and Horford with a jam he's got six. Timeout Orlando. Steve Clifford's got to figure out who's going to guard Big Al. Mr. Al Horford is the next player on our list. A guy who I think is getting more and more recognition for the high quality of play he has been giving the Sixers in Orlando. And it's funny, I think back to one of the first Zoom media sessions that Al Horford did. I think it was even when the Sixers were still in Camden before they left. Someone asked about how he's approaching all of this. And my takeaway from his comment was, you know, I'm a veteran. I've been around a while. I'm going to get down to Orlando. I'm going to use the scrimmages and even the seating games to build myself up and make sure I'm ready to go once the playoffs roll around. I think it's been the exact opposite. For me, from the jump, he has looked like he's been locked in, focused, playing really at a high intensity level and physically, which are, are certainly from the physicality standpoint, something the 76ers need. We've been talking about physicality with Al Horford a lot this week, and it's something that his head coach, Brett Brown, spoke about prior to Friday's game. The way that Al's defense has been strong, his offense has been strong, but the intangibles, his physicality, his spirit has been the biggest thing that he's added to this group, particularly when you're losing other stars. That's what you need from a veteran like Al Horford is to bring that intensity, to bring that physicality, to bring that no-quit attitude that we've seen from him since he got to Orlando. Yeah, he's been very good, especially when Ben Simmons went down. He had to step in into that starting role, and he gave you a very, very good game. I believe it was 21-9 and nine in, in that game, and it was good to see him back out there seemingly that he – when he had his issues during the season and he was relegated to the bench, and you know, no disrespect, and when I say relegated, uh, he was he was a team guy. He did what was asked of him, and he played his role. And the the thing was, this guy didn't forget how to play basketball. And now that you see him back out there, you start to remember and and just go back to as him being a veteran, the guy that we're talking about in the past that has had playoff successes, all star success, and so on. And right now we're seeing that Al Horford again, where he's just going out there making the right plays, whether it's defensively, scoring, or passing. Al Horford has been playing some really good basketball so far inside the bubble. When you don't have Joel Embiid, you don't have one of the best rim protectors in the game. But like you just said, Devon, there are other things that Al Horford can do that makes up for that, whether it's his positioning, his physicality, how he attacks the glass. I don't like to go too far into making a ton out of numbers like this because I'm not sure, I don't necessarily think that they paint the entire picture, but the on-off-court numbers for Al Horford, they're the best out of any Sixer who's played substantial minutes since the team got into Orlando, and I do think that that's a stat that's indicative of the way that he's been playing and the impact that Al Horford's had on the team. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. I agree with you, and the impact, that you can see it now, and that leadership with he and Tobias Harris out there that's why we still believe that at the very least, you know, they're going to be competitive. They won't give up. 
They're going to go out there and they're going to fight and try to get everything out of their, them, themselves and their teammates, knowing that Embiid and Simmons, at least for the short term, are not out there. Alec Burks with the ball, crosses over on Azonia, makes it another move, and he gets it, and a foul, and Azonia got him with the body. So a change of directions, a, a double crossover there, and Burks will go to the line for what could be an old-fashioned three-point play. Alec Burks, guys, he's been another one who's been a revelation in Orlando. He is on a great run right now, back-to-back 20-point games. He hasn't done that since he was with the Utah Jazz back in 2017. He's really looked lively. He's looked more comfortable. We've talked about that a little bit, but I think the last two games, especially without Ben Simmons from start to finish, he's shown that he can be an asset at the point of attack. For sure, Selton. We talked yesterday with Coach Brett Brown about the fact that he can play on or off the ball pretty well, and we've seen that from him in these last few games. I think with a guy like Alec Burks who joins the team at the trade deadline, it's always going to be a little bit of a rush to get ready for the playoffs. Now you add in a four-month hiatus away from the team after he only was able to play a few games with them following that trade. To see him heat up the way that he is now, I think is really promising for what he can do for the Sixers down the stretch. And that's what they're going to look for from him. Someone who can come off the bench and be productive immediately, whether he's backing up Shake Milton at point guard or whether he's waiting for other guys to find him for big shots. He's shown that he can do both. And I think that's going to be really big for this group. And he knows his role. He knows what's asked of him. He's going to come in. He's going to be a scorer. Yes, will he have the ball from time to time? And being that backup point guard, if you will, sure. But at the end of the day, Alec Burks, Seltz, and Lauren, he is a scorer. And if he's going to come off the bench and they need a, a boost off the bench, that's the one that's probably going to give it to you. And so far, so good with his showing, uh, getting over 20-plus minutes, the 20 points per, uh, that he's putting out there or on the – on the uh, box score, he, he's been tremendous. And he has so many different things to his game. It's a much needed boost, if we say that again, to the team overall, because outside of Simmons and some creatability as well from Richardson and Harris, even Shake, uh, I, I, I like what Alec Burks does with the ball in his hands. I feel like part of being a scorer is – not to sound totally cliched, having that scorer's mindset, but beyond that, the scorer's assertiveness and confidence. And I just feel like when you watch Alec Burks now, there's that dynamic that we didn't quite see from him when he first came over from the Golden State Warriors in the trade back in February, that he does now have that confidence and that sense of self-belief about him. And it's been really nice to see because, yes, the 76ers without Ben Simmons and if they're without Joel Embiid for a period of time, they're going to need some more peeps to put the basketball in that bucket, and Alec Burks is a guy who can do it. Here's a long shot by Ross, blocked by Matisse. Now they throw it ahead to Thibel. Into the lane. Thibel dunks it with two hands. He made the play on Terrence Ross. Got it back and jammed it. Matisse, Thibel, timeout, Orlando. Matisse, Thibel flipping things over to the defensive end of the floor. You talk about who's going to pick up the slack without Ben Simmons now on the defensive end. Matisse Thibel has got to be someone, despite being a rookie, that you look first to, right? Yeah, he brings energy. He brings that energy, and when you see him out there consistently, he's always making plays. Some way, somehow, He's whether it's in the passing lane, his back is turned, he still does the fundamentals of sticking his hands out, and the next thing you know, there's a deflection, and the team is going the other way. So he definitely does do that, fill in the lane, uh, when he does uh, create some turnovers, he doesn't just stand there. He turns the other way and goes. It's now that shift from defense to offense. And while we, you may not see much from him in a half-court set in the, when they're running the plays and devising things for him, 
in transition, he's very good with uh, his finishing. And it, it all starts with defense. And that's exactly what he brings when he comes off that bench, that defense, that energy, and that, that, that quickness that he has with his hands. His hands are always moving nonstop. I love watching him with his angles of stopping the defenders and uh, getting around those screens and things of that nature. Uh, still a very good player to watch. He is a rookie, so I, I still wonder how much he will play and uh, what uh, Coach Brett Brown will, will use him in, in certain situations. But when he is out there, he it, it never fails that he does does something well defensively. And I think we have to give Matisse a lot of credit for the way he played against Portland. He had 33 minutes, which is by far the most minutes he's played since they arrived in Orlando. He showed that his fitness level is up there. He was able to get up and down the court with intensity throughout every minute of those 33. And he had a season high nine rebounds too in that game, which I think is is pretty big. And obviously more minutes means more opportunities for boards, but his previous high was five. So jumping from five to nine is, is pretty solid knowing that he can get offensive and defensive rebounds. And then the final thing I'd like to give him props for, we knew we were going to see some looks for him against CJ McCollum. Damian Lillard, especially in the absence of Ben Simmons. But down the stretch in that game, he was defending some guys that are larger than he is. And we're not really used to seeing Matisse defending anyone other than those quick guards that he's been assigned to all season. But seeing him doing his best to to body a guy like Carmelo Anthony down lower on the floor was really cool to see for him because it's something that shows a little bit of versatility, maybe something else that he's going to be able to add to his sort of already impressive defensive chest of awards or whatever you want to call it. Um, I think the way that he played against Portland was very promising for this group. He showed a lot of fight. It's clear he's an irritant and he bothers guys and throws them off. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty certain he was on Lillard at the top of the three-point arc in the final minute and he forced a miss and the Sixers then got the ball back when they were still down by possession. You know, he helped force a miss on a guy who was hot like Lillard that gave the 76ers an opportunity to possibly steal that game. Didn't happen, but I agree with everything you guys said. He is able to do a lot of different things, and he is someone who, without question, brings important intangibles to the court whenever he's out there on the defensive end. They're looking to throw it in. Milton goes to Horford. Horford back to Shake. Milton for three, shot up, and good! He made it with six seconds to go, and the Sixers have taken the lead. He stepped right into a tray, well beyond the arc. Shake Milton. What do we need from a shake? Just some steadiness. Run the team. You need somebody out there to run the team. When you have the ability to have an all-star such as Ben Simmons out there as a primary ball handler for the last three seasons, you're expecting certain things. Now, in this particular case with Shake Milton, the young player, second year, man, uh, you're not going to get that outburst like you saw against the Los Angeles Clippers every time. So run the team, make smart decisions, take good shots, and protect the basketball. And that's what he has done so far. He has protected the basketball. We have not seen those big numbers in the 20-plus points or even getting into the 30s. But just be consistent, smart with the ball, run the team, set the guys up perfectly, make sure that they're in their spots, even as veterans. Command that respect out there on the floor. And I think Shake Milton will, uh, you know, when you, when you look at him overall with the evaluation, you, you will feel pleased with what you see at the end of the game if those things happen, and defensively as well. And I think that steadiness is super key when we talk about Shake. It's something that we've gone back to a few times, but you got to remember that this is his first year really playing heavy minutes in an NBA rotation. And the way that he's been able to stay level-headed, he likes to say that he won't get too high or too low 
when he's playing out there. We saw that for sure after that first performance against the Pacers where he struggled a little bit. He's come back since then, and in every outing, he's been durable. He's shown grit, and it's great to see him be able to rebound from a difficult performance and show his stuff as a young player. Yep, certainly a lot of members of the roster, the 76ers, will be looking to get the max from as they move forward in Orlando with seating play beginning to wrap itself up and the playoffs starting in less than a week, potentially, depending on when the 76ers play their first game. That is our deep dive for this week. And coming up in about 20 seconds, we do our weekly segment, Did You Hear?, where we uncover some more subtle yet significant subplots surrounding the 76ers. In this time of social distancing, NovaCare Rehabilitation is offering physical therapy from the comfort and safety of your home through their new tele-rehab program. NovaCare will virtually bring their services to you so you heal, build strength, and get back to the things you love. Tele-rehab lets you easily connect with one of NovaCare's licensed therapists through web-based technology that's HIPAA compliant. For more information, visit NovaCare.com. Did you hear? I don't know. We're going to find out. Maybe you did. Maybe you didn't. But we're going to bring to the forefront some important fodder that might get into the more granular and nitty-gritty pertaining to the 76ers. Maybe it be something like Mike Scott playing the five in the production the 76ers got out of that. Furkan Korkmaz needing to get more out of him with his three-point shot. Norval Pell getting some minutes against the Trailblazers. Glenn Robinson the third returning. They're all candidates. But I will leave the floor and form right now to... Lauren Rosen, I think, in our informal rotation, it is your turn to go first in the weekly Did You Hear segment. Well, I'm never too hungry to go first, but I can this time, Seltz. For me, the quote that most stuck out after the Trailblazers game, I asked Josh Richardson what he thought about Matisse Thibault's defense, considering the fact that the two of them were largely sharing the defensive duties on Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum, and Josh Richardson said, "That's kind of getting thrown in the fire as a as a rookie, you know, having to, you know, get your first big minutes in a while against, you know, a scoring tandem like that. And I think that he held his own. I think he did a good job. You know, I'll take him in that matchup ten times out of ten. So he's a guy that I definitely want in my foxhole. I think that's high praise for a guy like Matisse Thybul, who we continue to forget is just a rookie. The fact that he's already gained trust of guys like Josh Richardson." veterans that are even further along in their career, like Tobias Harris or Al Horford. The fact that those guys trust Matisse, a rookie, is a really big deal. So he will be in the foxhole with them, and it'll be good to have a defender like Matisse. Devon, as you project out, do you have a future comp for Matisse Thibel defensively? That's a great question. Um, Wow. Uh, You often hear someone like Bruce Bowen. Uh, for someone like Matisse, that will look uh, more athletic, but to be able to just, hey, go get that guy <laughs> and stop him, shut him down, make things difficult, make his life difficult. That's the reputation that Bruce Bowen had. And I know oftentimes we use the example of the San Antonio Spurs when you have Brett Brown and his team here in Philadelphia. But I just look at that one, and right now, that would probably be, if I had to go off the top of my head, someone like that, where you still want to see the three-point shot develop, ultimately get there. He's just a young player. He's a rookie. So you expect that to develop. And as Lauren is talking about, the trust and the faith that his teammates have, the work ethic is there. He's going to work to improve on any weaknesses he has with the outside shooting. So right now, I would say Bruce Bowen defensively uh, for Matisse Thibault. 
I like the comp, and I like the quote from Josh Richardson about Matisse after that narrow loss to the Portland Trailblazers. All right, Devon, what quote of note stood out to you? Well, for me, the quote of note that stood out was Alec Burks speaking on the team and himself taking things day by day. I take it day by day, game by game, day by day, practice by practice. Things change cooking this league, so I'm just going to stay level-headed and see how it goes. Taking things day by day, you know, it's great to hear what he has to say simply because uh, this league is ever-changing. And who knew that Ben Simmons, of course, would have an injury that required surgery that would have him out for a period of time. Then Joel Embiid takes a step away because of an ankle injury. You hope that that is something, once again, sooner rather than later. So taking things day by day, when we spoke about Alec Burks a little bit earlier, it's the nature of the, the sport and the league in general where you never know when your number is going to be called. So taking things day by day, remaining ready and able to go when you are called upon, and then going out there and performing and delivering and taking it day by day in the moment at that time against that opponent and do your job. And he has done just that. Right now he is in, as you pointed out earlier, a good rhythm, a good pace where he has confidence so day by day, carrying that one thing to the next to the next and remembering what happened the last game, the last time out, it, that's something that you want to hear, especially from a scorer who never loses confidence. For me, I'm going to turn to Al Horford and him discussing a particular type of demeanor that he wants to bring to the court. We're in this point of the season where we're getting ready to get the, uh, start, get the playoffs started. And, uh, and, you know, we need to set the tone. You know, Coach has been talking about it all year. And, um, uh, you know, we need to make sure that, you know, that we're coming out and, uh, and that we're setting the tone from the beginning. Those are types of things you need more of. And certainly Al Horford has proven over time, not just with the 76ers, but earlier in his career in Atlanta and Boston, that he can do just that. As we referenced earlier, some of the numbers have been really good for Horford inside the bubble. He's been part of nearly 50 different lineup combinations since the 76ers got to Orlando. Now, granted, only about a fifth of them has he played more than five minutes with. But the fact still remains, when he is on the court, out of any of the 76ers regulars, whether in the starting lineup or coming off the bench, the Sixers have outscored the opposition by nearly 10.5 points per 100 possessions with Al Horford out there, the best stat in that category in terms of net rating on the team. I like it. I think there's validity to it. I think it's a real number. So Al Horford, did you hear? He wants to bring some more intangibles in addition to skill to the court when out there for the 76ers. And that wraps up this week's Did You Hear? And that segues us to our Around the League segment. The Phoenix Suns are a story. They happen to be next up on the schedule for the 76ers, and we have to start. Devon, not to make much of your connection there, I feel like you handle it in a really professional and appropriate way. But there is a connection that you have, and the Phoenix Suns do happen to be playing spectacularly well in the bubble. Yes, so for the people who don't know or the first-time listeners, Mikael Bridges is my younger cousin. And I, of course, support his career all the way from a young guy to where he is now in the NBA. And they are 5-0 and currently. Well, pardon me, as of Sunday, Monday, they were 5-0 and with a game against the Oklahoma City Thunder and then the Philadelphia 76ers on Tuesday. They are a hot, the hottest team in the league right now. Uh, a slim chance of making the postseason, and they've just reeled off some some really good basketball uh, so far in the bubble. They're led by Devin Booker and his scoring, as we know, 
one of the best young scorers in today's game. They also feature a big man in DeAndre Ayton, second-year player, who is uh, just coming to his own, not only offensively, but also defensively as well. And then they feature a bunch of other players that provide different things from former Sixer Dario Saric to Ricky Rubio, a steady point guard, as we know, for many years in the league. Javon Carter off the bench as a bulldog defender who can get hot as well. Cam Johnson, first-round pick, a surprising first-round pick where he was taken for the Phoenix Suns in the 2019 draft. And, of course, Mikael Bridges, a, a do-it-all player for the Phoenix Suns who gives it to you defensively. And I'm expecting to see a lot of him on Tobias Harris uh, with absent Ben Simmons out there on the floor. So I'm assuming a lot of Tobias Harris, Mikael Bridges matchups and uh, just a variety of different things. And they are ultimately led by former Sixers assistant Monty Williams, who have helped turn that culture around in Phoenix, where they're believing right now. So they're still in the playoff hunt. They're a few games back of the Memphis Grizzlies for that final spot in the eighth seed in the Western Conference. And we know about that 8-9 play-in as well. So there are a lot of things uh, up on, on the table for them right now in terms of scenarios. And it's going to be a very good game when the Sixers take on the Phoenix Suns. They're a very, very good team, both offensively and defensively right now uh, since they've returned. Devon, my around the league is adjacent to yours. You mentioned that play-in game. And unfortunately for the Memphis Grizzlies, they had a bit of a tough start inside the bubble, losing some of their key contributors, including Jaron Jackson, who they've announced is out for the season. And because they've struggled a bit and Portland has been so good, we now know that there will be at least a play-in game involving the Grizzlies, well, in all likelihood, involving the Grizzlies and the Blazers. So that's something that's new and different. And we've had play-in games by default recently, in recent years. But this is the first one inside the bubble. There's going to be high stakes. Obviously, those are two teams. One, more of a veteran presence type team. We just saw the Blazers play against the Sixers. And obviously, the Grizzlies, despite their losses, are young and hungry. So if that is the play-in game that we get to see, it's going to be an exciting one. But no matter what, the fact that we do have a play-in game inside the bubble is going to be something exciting and something unique. Guys, it was great to see Zion Williamson and the young Pelicans get a little taste of this competition inside the bubble. But a not-so-young member of the roster sees a great run come to an end. Our near and dear friend, J.J. Redick, will be out of the playoffs for the first time in his now 14-year NBA career. I think J.J. is certainly a valuable piece you could have anywhere for what he does on the court and his professional demeanor inside the locker room. But I think we appreciate for a moment, at least I'm going to take this opportunity to appreciate for a moment a streak of 13 straight playoff appearances for one J.J. Redick, a run that will now come to an end this year with the Pelicans being officially eliminated from postseason play down at Disney. And J.J. Redick, of course, a member of the broad podcasting family, announced his new podcast, The Old Man and the Three. And as of today, the newest episode is going to feature the 76ers very own Joel Embiid. And obviously the two of them have a special relationship from playing together. So perhaps something that we could all listen to after we finish listening to this episode of the broadcast. I'm looking forward to them pumping up the broadcast on that episode of The Old Man and the Three. I'm sure they're going to do that too, right? (laughs) I heard it's the thing they're going to talk about the most, actually. Great. Excellent. (laughs) As they should. All right, guys. Well, it was great to get back in the saddle, do this. Next time we're going to be talking... It's going to be looking ahead to the playoffs next week, either on Monday or Tuesday. Our episode will be an official playoff primer 
postseason roundtable. I still kind of can't wrap my head around that fact, but it's coming, ready or not. I can't believe that we're actually getting playoff basketball in the year 2020. Obviously, with so much tragedy going on around the world, we can't forget about that. But it is nice to see some basketball. It's great to have the NBA back. The, the NBA pushing some really important messages, too. So it's a unique year. It's one we're going to remember forever, for better or for worse. Well said. The NBA has done a fantastic job in Orlando. They continue to do a, a great work. Uh, the games have been entertaining. They've been competitive, despite not being able to have the fans in there, albeit virtual, which is also cool to see. Uh, they've done a fantastic job. So I appreciate what they've done. And you guys are right. I mean, next week, when we get back together, we'll be talking about a, a playoff preview of the Sixers and set opponent starting next week. Thank you, Lauren and Devon. Thank you out there for listening. We will talk to you next Monday or Tuesday with our playoff primer here on the broadcast. See you.